Next up, you will be listening to United Way Community Connections with Mike Affelberg. United Way Community Connections. United Way Community Connections broadcasts every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on WSMN. In United Way Community Connections, you will be introduced to leaders from all of the great nonprofits in Greater Nashua, from caring for our children to our seniors, from helping our homeless pets to our at-risk vets, from learning the skills to get your GED, to dealing with trauma and substance abuse. Community Connections is the place to learn with Mike Affelberg about what's going on. Learn how you can help and make a difference from the experts. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show, which is making a difference in Greater Nashua. Here's your host, Mike Affelberg. Well, good Monday morning, and welcome to the United Way Community Connection Show here on WSMN 1590 AM. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We are here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 AM, uh, broadcasting from the WSM studios right here on Main Street in Nashua, New Hampshire. Today is Monday, June 15th. I should tell you that in addition to... Live on the radio, if you're listening live on the radio, um, obviously you're on WSMN 1590 AM. However, we're also live on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. So thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, for helping us out to get live on the Facebook stream. We're also, of course, live on WSMN1590.com, which is, um, and it can, you can stream from the website. And you're also even going to find us on TuneIn. So one of the things I'd like to do at home is, uh, you know, if I'm working from home, as many of us do in the age of coronavirus occasionally. Um, I just go to my little Google speaker home, and you could probably do this with Alexa too, and I say, hey, Google, play WSMN 1590 AM. And you know what it does? It like starts magically streaming our radio show. So I, I don't know how that works. Some smarter minds than me have invented that uh, technology, but uh, it's pretty cool. Anyway, lots of ways to listen in to us on the show. Um, if you want to comment or question um, during the show. We try to make that as interactive as possible. That we do over, over the Facebook stream. So this morning I'm on my, my personal Facebook page and uh, that's pretty easy to find mostly because I'm not Mike Jones or Mike Smith or or you know something like or Mike Brown. I'm Mike Apfelberg and when your name is Mike Apfelberg there are very few of you in the world. Um, because your name is just you know sort of unusual, and uh, if you if you Google it or if you Facebook search it, Mike Affelberg, you'll find there probably I think there's only one of me in the United States. You go to my page and you can start looking at the live stream, which is on um, right now. So that's pretty cool. And uh, if you leave a comment there or a question, I'll try to inter- I'll try to interact with you during the co- course of our show. What are we about here on the Community Connection Show? We are um, here each and every week interviewing nonprofits from our community and talking with them about the great work that they're doing in Greater Nashua. Um, that's a lot of greats in that sentence, but you know we are great, so why not? Um, today we're going to have two different nonprofits joining us in just a little bit. We're going to have, first of all, um, starting out with uh, Julie Stone from Home Health and Hospice Care up in Merrimack, New Hampshire. Home Health and Hospice is one of our great community partners. We've been, uh, you know, working with them for many, many years. Um, they have a great program in their hospice house, and they also have uh, an incredibly robust visiting nurses association program. So we're going to talk about with Julie about home health and hospice care, and then after that at nine thirty, we're going to have my friend from Southern New Hampshire Health on Betsy Hood. Betsy 
um, and I've known each other for many years. She is truly a friend, and uh, she's going to be joining us talking about a little bit about what's going on over at Southern New Hampshire Health. Of course, the last couple of months have been uh, difficult and unusual times for all people in the healthcare industry, and of course, we have both of those on today. Uh, COVID-19 has changed in many ways um, how we deliver services in the medical arena, and uh, we'll talk with both of our of our guests today about those challenges and how you can uh, you know be supportive of them in their mission. Hope everybody had a beautiful weekend. I know I did. Um, my wife and I went to the beach on Saturday, you know, just to take the dogs for a walk. And I'm going to say this. I'm just going to gripe. So, you know, if you don't like listening to the bitch sessions, um, then tune me out for the next minute because I'm going to just tell you I'm kind of upset about how they've implemented um, restricted parking at Rye Beach. My dogs and my wife and I tend to go to Jeunesse Beach, which is the north end of Rye Beach. That's one of the few beaches um, in the state where you can actually take your dogs for a walk. You can do that until 10 in the morning. Off-leash, which is just fantastic, year-round, which is just amazing, um, except for when they limit the parking so that you can't park there. Like, literally cannot park at Jeunesse Beach. I don't mean kind of like it's hard to find a parking spot. I mean it's literally impossible unless you're a resident. So you have to go down to the other end of the beach, which is um, Rye State Park. And there is parking there, which you can pay for. It's, of course, very limited. Um, they've, they've cut the number of spots because they want to limit the number of people on the beach. Okay, I get that. I don't necessarily love it, but I get it. But you can't park there with your dogs because that's a state beach. So here's the ultimate catch-22. You can walk at the other end of the beach with your dogs, but you can't get there unless you teleport yourself through, um, I don't know, the Star Trek Enter Starship Enterprise maybe beams you up after you park at Rye Beach and beams you down at Jeunesse Beach. I don't know if anybody has a good connection to Commander Kirk or, or even um, you know, First Officer Spock and can help me to get onto Jeunesse Beach, please let me know because I'd really like to walk my dogs and uh, I'm so frustrated with how they've done that. Yeah, okay, end of bitch session. Sorry, I'm done. Yesterday was great. Really nice day too. Um, I spent most of it um, actually doing something which is coming up in my life and that's preparing for my daughter's wedding. So my daughter and her fiance John are getting married in just a couple of weeks and you know in the age of COVID-19 um, you know everything has changed a little bit. They, they were supposed to get married you know a couple of weeks ago actually in Mexico. Well that didn't happen obviously for, for reasons which require no further explanation. So they did a little uh, reconnoitering and decided you know what we're gonna scale it way down. We're gonna have it be only um, closest family and closest friends uh, which is hard to do, um, you know, but they've got it down to about 30 people. And then they decided one day they said, you know, Dad, why don't you officiate our wedding? And I said, oh, <laughs> okay, when I'm, when I'm done with my little bit that I have going on right now with COVID-19, I'll figure out how to officiate your wedding. So quick, quick, uh, quick uh, thinking and quick work. Thanks in large part to our executive counselor, Deborah Pignatelli, who's a superstar in Nashua. She was able to get my Justice of the Peace application kind of rushed through, which it has to go through the executive council, um, which is the governor's council, for approval. Um, normally it takes eight to 10 weeks uh, in New Hampshire. We got this done in three weeks. So I got my JP license, which is awesome. 
And then I started doing research on how do you officiate a wedding. I don't know how to officiate a wedding. You know what? You watch weddings on TV and it all looks like it just happens, right? But it's all very scripted. It's choreographed. It's, um, you know, it's like a, it, the best weddings are the ones where it looks like nothing is happening and gone into it, but it just kind of happens. Well, that takes the officiant doing a lot of planning. So I spent most of the day yesterday kind of writing up my script and writing down the words I want to say and kind of thinking about how to do this. And of course, it's my daughter. So I want to do the best job possible and give her the best wedding that uh, anybody has ever given their daughter. So I did that yesterday and I'm very pleased about that. I'll let you know in a couple of weeks if it's, if it's a beautiful thing or if I'll tell you if it's a terrible thing. Um, if it's a terrible thing, I'll probably be ostracized for my family. Hey, I want to say hi to a couple people who are watching us on Facebook. I see that we have Jessica Gorin from the Nashua Food Council, Kira Morehouse, um, who I know from Enterprise Bank back in the day, and a marketing friend, and Matthew Plant. Um, all good friends of mine who are watching on Facebook. You know what you guys can do is like share this on your personal Facebook pages that you're watching right now and post a comment or a question and we'll get more people in on the action and, and that would be really great to have like let's let's shoot for having 50 people watching by the end of the day on Facebook. A couple things I wanted to mention before we cut to our break of course and uh, but uh, you know the big thing I really wanted to talk about today is today is, well today's the last day of school in Nashua. Um, you know, you could probably argue that the last day of school was actually like three months ago when they went to remote learning. Um, it just changed the world and, um, you know, the school district and the kids and the teachers and the parents, everybody did their best. But, um, of course, you know, the system wasn't really designed for this. So, um, but today is actually the official last day of school. And so congratulations to everybody who made it this far. Um, however... Food still needs to happen during the summer. And we've always had a food program, uh, a school lunch, well, a, a summer lunch program in the, in the, uh, Na in the Nashua area. And uh, this year we've expanded upon that to actually continue doing everything that we've been doing and more relative to summer food. So I want to talk you through like, how that's going to work starting today. Um, we've expanded the program to include the partner um, Southern New Hampshire Services, and they're taking over parts of the program, and the school district will continue to maintain other parts of the program. We're still partnering with the uh, N68 Hours of Hunger and uh, the Soup Kitchen, Boys and Girls Club. Uh, we're also, for some of the food service work we do, we're also additionally par partnering with N68 Hours of Hunger and the YMCA. Um, obviously, the school district, the National Transit System have been big partners as well. So all of that's continuing. The 10 sites where we've been delivering food are going to continue to get food. Um, the only thing we've changed there is instead of being 11 to 2, it's going to now be 11 to 1. Um, our experience has been that after 1 o'clock, really, the place dies down and nobody comes anyway. So no, no loss there. Um, so from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the following schools, you'll still be able to get breakfast and lunch. Um, that's Ledge Street Elementary, Penichuk Middle School, Amherst Street Elementary, Mount Pleasant Elementary, Dr. Crisp Elementary, Elm Street Middle School, Fairgrounds Elementary, New Searles Elementary, Broad Street Elementary, and Sunset Heights Elementary. Those 10 schools will continue from 11 to 1, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And at each of those locations, um, you know, you show up as a parent or a friend or, the, or as the student yourself, and you can get two breakfasts and two lunches on Mondays and Wednesdays. And on Friday, you can get uh, three breakfasts and three lunches to cover you for the weekend. Additionally, we still have our bus routes intact. We 
We're running four brush routes previously. Those four routes have been now pared down to two routes, also still courtesy of the Nashua Transit System, which is awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Instead of 16 locations, we now have 14 locations. And those bus routes, I'm not going to go through all the hours, but I'm going to tell you where the locations are. And it starts about 11, about a quarter after 11, and goes through about 3 in the afternoon. So Route 1 covers uh, really north, um, you know, sort of the called the northern part of the city, and that's Charlotte Ave, Wellingford and Guilford Lane, Blackstone Drive and Stonebridge, Thornton Road and York Street, and then a couple of stops on Broad Street, including Bartimus Trail, Tilton Street, and Country Hill Road. Bus route number two covers more of the south end. That's uh, Hillock Drive near West Hollis Street, and then River Pines, uh, which is Mobile Home Park, Countryside Drive near Cape Avenue, then Main Dunstable Elementary, Sapling Circle and Spitbrook Road, Silver Drive and Clubhouse, and Newcastle and Spitbrook Road. So at each of those locations, again, same thing. You can get two lunches, two breakfasts, Mondays and Wednesdays, and on Fridays you can get three. The This is posted on our Facebook page in detail. Go to uh, facebook.com front slash United Way GN, and you can see the full listing um, there. The other part of this is on Fridays, um, courtesy of our friends at the National Soup Kitchen and Shelter, at several of the locations we will also have um, still um, fresh produce and frozen meals. And so that will also be distributed at the same time. First come, first serve, no questions asked. And that's at Lead Street, Penichuk, Amherst Street, Mount Pleasant, Dr. Crisp, Elm Street, Fairgrounds, and New Searles. You'll have um, that will continue from 11 to 1 fresh produce and frozen meals. So um, I always say also the Boys and Girls Club has been a great partner in all of this as well. They use their vans to help to transport the food from one location to the other. So we have them doing logistics, the school district, Southern Hampshire Services, and the soup kitchen um, being providers of the food and United Way's army of volunteers handing out the food to, to our community. We have already distributed over 70,000 meals um, as part of this program. So I'm super proud of that. We also have at a bunch of locations um, food bags provided throughout the summer um, by our friends from N68 Hours of Hunger and the Salvation Army of Greater Nashua. And uh, so those food bags are to help for weekend um, needs. If somebody has, uh, you know, um, is food insecure and they need uh, some food help for the weekends, that's uh, that's where that would would, would go. Um, hey, I see a couple more people joined us. At least one other person joined us. It's Gloria Timmons. Gloria is has um, at least she says she's watching us on Facebook. So Gloria, good morning, along with the others that I already mentioned. Any of you wants to put a put a question or comment in the Facebook feed at at uh, Michael Affelberg's Facebook page? That would be awesome. Love to talk to you guys. Um, and uh, so that's it as far as food goes. Pretty exciting program. We're we're kind of thrilled to be able to continue this um, throughout the summer. Wow. So that's a lot of lot of talking. What have we covered? We talked about Mike being a justice of the peace and an officiant at his daughter's wedding. We talked about Mike's frustrations with the parking situation at Rye Beach. And we talked about summer food programs. And uh, well, we should also say um, that it's a beautiful day um, out there. It's going to be a really gorgeous week. We're pretty excited about that. And the last thing I wanted to say about food, which is not related to the schools, but is also through a partnership, which includes the YMCA, and also the Nashua Soup Kitchen and Shelter, is that we um, will have eight locations around the city where you can get fresh produce um, and vegetables um, 
throughout the week. That's Monday through Thursday um, from 2 to 3 p.m. And I'll just tell you what those locations are. So on Mondays, it's at the Bronstein Apartments or at St. Louis Church. On Tuesdays, it's at Major Drive and or at the Nashua Farmers Exchange. On Wednesdays, it's at Nashua Police Athletic League and or at River Pines Mobile Home Park. And Thursdays, it's at Sullivan Terrace North and Sullivan Terrace South on um, West on East East Hollis Street. And at each of those locations, it's first come, first serve, catch as catch can, come on down, get some fresh produce. Um, the Y is great in that they transport that food from the soup kitchen and shelter. And again, it's the uh, uh, your United Way Army of volunteers who's there to distribute it. And this program so far has served since it started over, at this point, over 2,000 individuals. So we're pretty excited about that as well. Really good stuff happening in our community. And uh, you know, I will say on behalf of United Way, we are very, very proud of the partnerships that it's taken to get all this stuff done. And uh, a lot of communities have reached out and said, well, how are you doing all this in Nashua? You know, what's the secret sauce, Mike? And I say, the secret sauce, and I whisper it, it's working together. How hard is that? It's working together. It's not going it alone. It's not being the only person who's responsible for fixing the world. It's working with a bunch of friends and a bunch of partners in a community because we all do recognize that you know, as we say at United Way, great things happen when we live united. Live united, that means partnerships, collaboration, collective impact, all those fancy words, which just means really working together. Well, I'm going to take a break now, not because I want to, but because um, I need to. Our show is brought to you by Edgestone Properties, one of Nashua's premier builders. And um, after the break, we're going to be back with our first guest, and that is Julie Stone from Home Health and Hospice Care. We're going to talk a little bit about what they've been doing these days and how COVID-19 and coronavirus have affected the work that they're doing. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm your host, Mike Apfelberg. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive, or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. I rescued Toast from my shelter in 2011. I love Toast because she's a lazy diva. Toast does whatever she wants, obviously. She's sleeping right now. She's so loving. She's so comforting. 
When I walked into the shelter, I knew right then that she was special. Toast, Instagram star and shelter pet. Amazing adoption stories start in shelters. Start yours today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Well, good Monday morning. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with the nonprofits in our community that are working day in and day out to make Greater Nashua a place which is stronger, smarter, safer, healthier, and happier for all of us who live and work here. Um, we are also live on Facebook in addition to on the uh, uh, 1590 AM radio stream. I also did want to mention that uh, you know we're also live on TuneIn, and you can probably punch it into your Alexa as well. So lots of ways to listen. The best way to participate in dialogue, if you had questions or comments that you wanted to add, would be by Facebook. You can find that on my personal Facebook page, which is Michael Affelberg. I see a couple people joined us, Lori Wilshire and Pat Molitieri. Um, Lori, er, earlier on in the show, was talking about getting my JP license. So big shout out to you. You were early on and instrumental in that process. I got the license last week. Thank you for your help to get me steered through to that uh, milestone. And looks like we're good to go with our daughter's wedding. So thank you, Lori. I appreciate your help um, in helping to make that happen. Um, now we're joined in the studio by a good friend of mine, Julie Stone. Julie is the... Um, Director of um, Development and Strategy at Home Health and Hospice Care located in Merrimack, New Hampshire. Development is a fancy term in the uh, world of nonprofits, which means um, sales and marketing. Um, if you're in the for-profit world, you know, basically I'm in the development business, Julie's in the development business. What does that mean? That means we walk around with our proverbial hand out. And if you are interested in making a donation, we are always glad to talk to you about that. Um, but it's also the development of volunteers and really all of the resources that, it, the resources that it takes to run effectively as a nonprofit. Obviously, strategy is um, strategy is what it says. It's strategy. It's looking at you know the long-term vision and executing on that vision for your organization. So, Julie, I wanted to say welcome to our show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I know that we're going to talk a little bit about Over the Edge, too. Of course we are. Of course, of course we, are, we are. Because you guys are doing it again, which is awesome. And that's coming up in like six weeks. Can you believe it? I can't. I can't. It seems well, like just yesterday. It seems like just yesterday. It always seems like just yesterday to me because it's like such a scary, horrifying thing. But did you know, I forget. Did you actually participate yourself I, I last year? I did not. We had several members of our team yeah. that did participate, yeah. including our board chair. But I did not participate. I simply cheered them on. Well, you know, I, um, I've done it twice and I've cheered twice. And I, I could tell you personally i appreciate the cheering um role better than the doing role but you know we all got to do what we got to do right so glad you guys are part of the event again it's on june uh, july 22nd 23rd up in manchester the brady sullivan tower if you want to support home health and hospice care and their endeavors to raise some money for that you can just go to um, tinyurl.com front slash OTE2020 tinyurl.com front slash OTE2020 and from that link look under teams and you can find home health and hospice care and you can make a donation or probably even join their team right? We would love to have people join our team. That is great. Um, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a beautiful day. I just know it. I can feel it. Absolutely. So things have changed lately. So I heard that we had, I don't know, we had a pandemic of some sort 
and um, it affected people in the healthcare business, and you're in the healthcare business. So let's just talk a little bit about the core programs of home health and hospice care and how those have been affected, for better or for worse, sure. through the COVID-19 pandemic. Sure. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't begin by thanking you and the United Way for actually helping us a great deal in procuring the personal protective equipment that we need in order to continue our mission, in order to carrying out uh, excellent service to patients in their homes. You're and, very welcome. Uh, we couldn't really, do, we couldn't do it without the support of you and others. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've gotten a lot of great community support from individuals and and people who are philanthropically inclined, and businesses who are partners, and and of course United Way as well. And and uh, this is the same. It just takes a village to make this stuff happen. It and you guys, does. And you guys have also had to be very resourceful yourself. You know, your I know you have volunteers who are figuring out how to sew face masks and gowns and sort of bootstrap things so that you can keep delivering services in the community. That's right. That's right. So Home Health and Hospice is a visiting nurse and hospice organization. We've been providing services to the greater Nashua community for over a century, but COVID-19 did really challenge us. Um, it actually has caused us to um, rise to the occasion and be as innovative and nimble as an organization can be. And so to the credit of our staff and our volunteers, um, we have been able to continue to care for patients whether they have COVID-19 or not um, with um, a lot of training um, to ensure that the health of our patients and their families is paramount. Um, that always comes first. Um, in procuring and using a proper PPE um, and really thinking in a way uh, we hadn't before about innovation, including technology. Well, you guys are an old organization. You've been around since for, for about 130 years, That's is that correct. right? That's correct. So unlike everybody else, literally everybody else, you were around during the Spanish flu pandemic. And I'm wondering, did you guys do a little bit of digging and soul searching to find out what we do then and how do we stay effective in those times? Well, you know, we didn't even have time to kind of go back through the archives. Yeah. And what we had to really think about is today, um, how are we going to respond to the current needs and that meant keeping up to date on testing keeping up on um, precautions um, and we've always been planning for the worst case scenario as most nonprofits in the area have so we were ready to really respond um, in a very active and fast way so we've done that um, all of our staff are now trained um, so that they can care for patients in the home we've had the challenge um, and the benefit of also being able to care for those patients in nursing homes. And we've all heard about the challenges that nursing homes in particular yeah, are having. Yeah, for sure, very hard hit. Very hard hit. Um, and some of those facilities can't permit our staff in. So we've you know, really looked at the use of technology in a way that we had not in the past. And I think that that will stick around. I think that's really gonna serve us well and serve our patients into the future. Um, we're really prepared now using telehealth and telemonitoring to, to be able to deliver some really sophisticated, compassionate services that I we hadn't to, thought about. Yeah, I have to say I agree, and I've seen you know when when all is said and done, and we reflect back upon these these times. I'm hoping we give ourselves the opportunity to to not just say how challenging it was but what are the good things that came out of this and what are the innovations and and please let's not go back to just doing everything the way it was before because some of this stuff is actually really good and quite effective you know everything from telehealth as you say to just you know working at home and and uh you know even though even in the schools like distance learning has been a challenge it's been a challenge and nobody's going to say it hasn't been difficult um and there have been you know some some real trials and tribulations there but I can guarantee you there's been some good stuff that's come out of it as well. And Absolutely. so let's not throw out uh, all the stuff we had to do um, 
just because we had to do it and go back to the way it was, you know, hook, line, and sinker. That's right. And some of these things will absolutely stick, right? So some we know that telehealth has a huge future in healthcare in the, in, in the future. Um, we know that um, in home care and in hospice, it, we can have really great outcomes and provide really compassionate care, even if we can't be there in person. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I know that you guys are also earlier on early on were sort of collecting iPads and stuff like that for some of your clients, so you could so you could implement some of that, right? That's right. So we've made some really great new friends in the community during this time. I have to say that the community has risen to the occasion. Right. Um, I'm sure you've seen that as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and every time I go out, I'm you know my job is I have the best job in the community because my job is I get to be the cheerleader for everybody else. And there have been a number of occasions when I've been able to really sort of root for you guys. But it's easy to do because the work you're doing is just really amazing and and so critical. It is so critical. And so we've developed new relationships with people we had not known in the past. So people who have come forth and donated iPads so that we can provide virtual care. Family members who are not allowed in hospitals or in nursing homes um, can have a surrogate. So mm-hmm. um, I'd like to share a story with you, if that's Please okay, do. you and your listeners. Please do. So as I mentioned before, we are providing uh, services in some of the nursing homes, and they've been very hard hit. Our hospice services have always been valuable to their patients. And so I want to share a, uh, a short story with you from one of our social workers. Uh, this is anonymous, so I'll leave any uh, specifics out, just to demonstrate the value of what we're doing right now when family members can't be with their loved ones at end of life. Yeah, absolutely. So this social worker starts by saying, the nurse and I arrived and knew that the, the facility staff were t- having a difficult time. The tension was palpable. When we got to the admission, they t- the staff told us the patient, quote unquote, didn't look good. We walked into her room and the lights were off and she was curled in a fetal position. One look at her face and it was evident she was terrified. Here come more people with masks and face shields and gowns but we quickly reassured her that we were there to help. Her older daughter was outside the window, looking equally helpless. So the nurse and I looked at each other and agreed. It was time to move the bed next to the window. The patient needed her family and they were right outside. After getting permission from the staff, we were able to rearrange the room so that her bed was parallel to the window. I sat on her bed, holding her hand, and calmly said, we are right here and your family is here right outside the window. Her face continued to look full of fear. Her daughter offered reassurance as loudly as she could through the window. Slowly, over the next 20 minutes, with frequent reassurance from us all, the patient's patient's face began to relax. She began to really see through the window. Then her husband came to the window and his face visibly brightened. He asked me to read his cards to her, which I did. They poured out his love for her, thanking her for their 50 years together. After reading the letters, the patient seemed to recognize her husband and said, that's my husband. The patient then agreed to let us care for her. The nurse and I looked at one another and the patient said, I am so happy. She continued to brighten and engage more with her family. They shared meaningful memories, family jokes, and a small moment in the time where COVID-19 couldn't touch them. The facility couldn't believe the change in her face. Later, alone in my car, I would allow emotion to overcome me. It's a visit I'll never forget or likely be able to recall without tears. We had simply moved her bed into the light so she could connect with her family. 
It was an honor to witness the love this, this allowed them to experience. I share that with you because this is the kind of profound work that home health and hospice care is doing because family members can't often be there with their loved ones at end of life. So our staff is taking that responsibility on and acting as a surrogate. That is incredible. And that's always been the mission of the hospice house. Um, but finding a way to fulfill that mission, um, you know, uh, I've had this conversation with Tina Andrade a couple mm-hmm. times. Tina's a, an employee over at Home Health and Hospice, and at United Way, we, you know, when we when we uh, look at grant applications, we um, we talk about what are the outcomes, and you guys fall into the realm of health, um, of our sort of bucket of outcomes: health, education, financial stability. You're in the health arena. And Tina has said to me a couple times, well, how do I measure health when ultimately the outcome is death? And my argument back has always been that you're providing for a healthier end of life. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you measure that? Well, ultimately, the person is still going to die. But it's pretty easy to argue that if you're gonna if you're go, if you're going to pass away, which we all are going to, that you you want to do it in a way which is you know, which is peaceful and is loving and is and is is serene, um, and gives you the opportunity to reflect on a good life and not necessarily um, you go with um, sadness, loneliness, and regrets. Um, not to mention the health outcomes for the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, my mother passed away last year, and I was not able to be there for her. She was in California, and I was here, and uh, it impacted me for quite a while after that. Um, including some, you know, some depression and anxiety that goes along with 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 not being able to do what you would want to do, and and I'm the, the surviving person, right? And you're giving that to people as well. So it's we it's are. really remarkable what you do, what you guys do, and how you've been able to adapt. Thank you. I would yeah. like to add that as you mean, mentioned, the families who are left behind, bereavement is a large part of the work that we do. It sure is. And so that's something that we've had to shift in our um, in our work. So we've had to make those um, bereavement visits virtual. Mm-hmm. And we're now starting to offer bereavement groups using social media uh, platforms and um, things like Zoom um, so that people can still connect and find a way of um, being supported after yeah. their loved one has passed. I'm so glad you mentioned that because now we've hit both of the programs that United Way actually helps to partner with you mm-hmm. on. And that's the bereavement program and the, home, and the, uh, the uh, hospice house program. Mm-hmm. So... Thank you, thank you for mentioning. I think we should all we would we would be remiss. And I mentioned this last week, but I think it's appropriate, highly appropriate to mention it again this week. Is we recently had a friend pass away, a mutual friend, Kevin okay. Slattery, yeah. who um, was a long-term supporter of home health and hospice, um, long-term board member, long-term supporter, helped to build the hospice house, mm-hmm. and um, a long-term partner at United Way. And so, just not much else to be said. Um, on that, but I think we're both going to miss Kevin a lot for what he brought to our organizations and our community. He was a great man who did so much good work for the community. Yeah, uh, and things that people never knew about because mm-hmm. he was humble and he would just do it. Mm-hmm. He was just this guy who's he's like, Mike, I'm just going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, but Kevin, I, you know, nope, I got it, Mike. Just go back to your work. <laughs> I'm sure he was the same yeah, way with you was. guys. He was. He was a good friend for many, many years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll miss him. 
Um, in the minute or two that we have left, I wanted to mention, um, do you have any upcoming events or opportunities that people should know about? I know you have like a golf tournament. Is that, you have a golf tournament so coming up this year? golf tournament was rescheduled for the very end of August. Good good um, thinking. It, yes. Well, we had, to, we had to reschedule it. It's very yep. popular. It's one of our bigger charitable events. Yep. Um, and this week, we are also the recipient of the Boston um, Billiards Charitable Giving. Fantastic. And so if people want to get out this week and do some gambling at Boston Billiards, um, the benefits go to home health and hospice care. Um, and that's certainly been a way that we have been challenged as an organization, as many have been. Um, you know, yeah. any of the events that we would typically have have either been postponed or canceled. And we do rely largely on the community support. But our golf tournament is on Monday, August 31st at Vesper Country Club. If people would like more information, they can certainly give it's us on a your call website, at right? 882-2941 and find it on our website, sure. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. And I'm glad to hear that you were able to reschedule that. And um, we're all we're all anxious to support um, you know, our friends at Boston Billiards um, and at the River who, who help um, support so many nonprofits mm-hmm. through charitable gaming in our state. And they've been hit really hard. Of course, they had to shut down. And they also still have restrictive guidelines as to how many people right. can come in and how many people, how you play poker and all of these very close, intimate kind of things you know so um i'm glad to hear that you have that going again as well um julia we're out of time it was great to see you it was great seeing you as well and i have to say good luck at over the edge 2020 thank you Um, You i'll I'll see you on the top of the building i suppose in about a month and a half and um and uh please do reach out if you have any other questions needs or concerns thank you so much and thank you again for your support it's our it's our pleasure all right so we're going to take our second break our show is brought to you by etchstone properties one of our community's premier builders for many many years after the break we will be back with our second guest which is uh, my good friend um, long-term friend betsy hood betsy is with southern new hampshire health and we're going to talk about a little bit about what's gone on over there for the past couple of months and what the plans are for the future at southern new hampshire health as they uh, kind of move into the uh, the brave new world of health services in the age of coronavirus you're listening to mike affelberg and this is the united way community connection show on wsmn 1590 am hi i'm tony joyce from joyce cooling and heating the sun is getting higher and the days are getting longer which means it's time to start thinking about central air conditioning for your home while the heat may be great when lounging poolside the last thing you want is sweltering temperatures inside your home whether you have air conditioning now that needs service or would like to add it Joyce Cooling and Heating can help with a new ducted, ductless, or microduct system. And remember, that's Joyce Cooling and Heating, 882-4244, or on the web at JoyceCool.com. I'm Andy Armstrong, Senior Minister of First Church in the heart of Nashua. Join me as I host Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. for a conversation about the power of faith, the good life, and those things that truly matter here on WSMN. 1590. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, 
or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. The Village Network was created for only one reason, to keep those 62 and older in their home as long as possible, ideally for the rest of their life. The Village Network is the answer for children who do not live nearby and worry about their parents being able to remain independently and safely at home. The Village Network has a network of trusted providers and volunteers who provide transportation, home repair, home-delivered meals, grocery shopping, and others who are there to help when you need them. We can even find someone to walk your dog. The Village Network does not charge thousands of dollars of upfront costs for services you may never need. With the Village Network, you only pay for services when you need them. Become a member of the Village Network today by calling 603 891 Zero 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 eight. That's six zero three eight nine one zero 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 eight. The Village Network. Become a member today. Well, good Monday morning. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show on WSMN 1590 AM. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning talking with nonprofits in our community that are working day in and day out tirelessly to make our community a place which is stronger, smarter, safer, healthier, and happier for all of us who live and work here. We are joined today by a good friend of mine, and I, I say, I, I always, you know, honestly, I say that about everybody who comes on the show. This is my best friend, but Betsy really is a good friend of mine. I've, we've known each other for many years now, in a variety of capacities, um, uh, personal and professional. Betsy is the director of community partnerships and legacy and the Legacy Trust of Southern New Hampshire Health. She has been at Southern New Hampshire Health for I'm going to guess about a year now, two years now. Oh my God, she's holding up two fingers, which. You know how it is when you get old and time just flies. That is not just a saying. That is an actual thing. So two years she's been with Southern New Hampshire Health. And Betsy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I am happy to have you here. It's always good to see um, you know, my friends, even if we have to wear masks and can't see each other's facial expressions, whatever. You know, it's okay. I can read your eyes. Um, but, you know, this title, Director of Community Partnerships, I think anybody who reads it, who reads that title and understands community partnerships is going to say, oh, so Betsy's the person who's out in the community working with people to, you know, make sure that Southern New Hampshire Health is is a part of making our community stronger in what, any way she, they can find. But Legacy Trust, what is the Legacy Trust? That, I think, is a new thing that I didn't actually know much about. Maybe you can share a little bit about what that means. Um, sure. Um, when I first came to Southern, it was back in August of 2018, um, one of the things that had been identified is we'd been around for 128 years and have never had any type of philanthropic initiative. Um, never asked the community to be able to help us with anything. And so I was tasked to really develop a pathway that would benefit the community while it also benefited us. 
Um, so we were actually supposed to launch um, the week after COVID came to Nashua. So we haven't even officially launched yet. Yeah, how's that working for you? <laughs> well, everything kind of got put on hold. I actually had you on my calendar. There was a launch dinner. I think it was going to be at the Country Club. Exactly. And I had that on my calendar, and I remember and along with everything else. Like the world right. just stopped. It stopped. It did. So I'm hoping for September, but we're going to kind of wait and see. But really the first initiative of Project Health is we have worked out a massive plan to be able to help our patients leave prepared. That's what HELP stands for. And that we'd be able to give patients servings of soup as they're leaving the hospital so they at least have something to eat when they get home. So that was sort of the, the first thing that we're looking at. All the pieces are in place and ready to go. But um, just need to wait until our... Healthcare staff is not so stretched thin um, dealing with COVID. So the Legacy Trust is sort of a way in which the community, in addition to volunteering, which many people have done over the years, and and you've got some volunteers. I always I'm always impressed when I see your your advert, your full page ad in the newspaper, and it says like, you know, Dolor, Dolores Dolores White, whose name I just made up, you know, and I'm going to use the old woman voice. Like Dolores White <laughs> has been volunteering for 58 years, and I'm always just shocked like like how the heck do you do that but you've got some committed volunteers this is another way in which people can give back and support one of our one of our major health institutions in the community which is a nonprofit and people often forget that that uh, you are a, also a nonprofit charitable institution you do a lot of work which is in essence pro bono and uncompensated and really just exactly. for the betterment of the community um, and this is a way in which people can support that work in your mission Exactly. Um, we have over 300 volunteers who help support um, Southern. And Including Dolores. Don't forget Dolores. <laughs> and really the best way to learn about opportunities yeah. is our website, which is yeah. snhhealth.org. Yeah. And they could just type in volunteer and information will come up. Right now we've been incredibly cautious about having volunteers in the building. Um, so I'm sure that that's also being looked at. Um, but Jean Barrett has been our director of volunteers for years and does an amazing job. That's re- that's really great. I know that you always have volunteer opportunities that are that are coming up, and uh, you know, obviously, this is a challenging time to become a volunteer within a medical institution. But it doesn't mean the need's not there, and, and the needs are great. So, well, what's been actually incredible is with COVID here. Um, I'm typically the one out in the community trying to be helpful, and the tables have completely turned. And I have literally cried with gratitude on multiple occasions because people have just come out of the woodwork to help us as similar to United Way, right. donating PPE, um, food, snacks, cards of appreciation. Um, it's just been absolutely incredible. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely, and we've seen that a lot in the social media, and I, and I and I and I think that's really great. The community has responded well. They the community has identified those needs and has kind of stepped up. So we, we have a lot to be proud of here in our community. Definitely. So I wanted to ask you. I mean, um, since we have limited time, I mean, things have obviously changed quite a bit, and in your world, and how has um, how has uh, you know the COVID nineteen pandemic really affected? Um, affected the work that you guys do? I mean, that's a very big question. I know that. Maybe you can give some examples of things that people might not might not even realize how this has kind of fundamentally changed how you fulfill your mission as a, as a medical institution. Well, I guess to start, I think that there's just a, a heightened anxiety, I would say, probably among all of our healthcare providers, that they just jump in head first to take care of all the patients who need help, but at the same time are then having their own families that they need to try to keep safe. And so I think people are just forging ahead and doing what needs to be done. But 
I think, really on the front lines in ways that they just never imagined that they would be. Well, you hear that a lot, how you have frontline workers like like nurses and doctors um, who are now uh, even even basically self-quarantining in their own homes because there's there's a supposition that they may or may not be carriers. They don't want to bring it home um, or they're living in hotels. Um, you know, and they need de- and they need daycare and they need you know supports and their lives have changed a lot. Well, and I think they're also serving even, <clears throat> excuse me, above and yeah. beyond as those nurturing, supportive people for patients whose family members can't be alongside them. Um, similar to home health and hospice, we had an incredible donation from Dynamic Strength and Conditioning yeah. that did a massive fundraiser, and we were able to get twenty five iPads where we're able to help facilitate more communication between patients and families. Wonderful. And so I feel like our frontline healthcare staff are also not only keeping people healthy physically, but really working just in such compassion and, and such emotion to try to keep them also optimistic and connected with their families. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, you know, people are also, the, the, one, the other thing that's really changed a lot is also how the public which isn't directly affected by COVID-19 has been indirectly, you know, affected in, in, uh, and maybe you can give us a state of the state as far as like, where are we at with things like elective surgeries? Or if somebody needs to go to the ED, is that something which should be a scary thing anymore? Or, you know, these are things that we've heard about in the last couple of months. Right. I think that Southern's leadership has done a really tremendous job making sure that it is absolutely as safe as possible and i think the scariest part is that people might be staying away and struggling with something major Mm -hmm. whereas by coming in would be able to address it um what they wound up doing is starting with the patients like for all the patients that were put on hold um have started with the the most concerning cases and been working their way through so we are actively um helping patients every day. Um, So yes, the ED is open. Things are segmented out for as people would um, potentially be at risk versus people who are COVID negative. Um, So they're just been incredibly careful um, and responsive. Well, I have to say, I went to the doctor last week for the first time since any of this started. And I don't go to the doctor, you know, preventatively enough anyway. I'm, I'm like a typical American who avoids the doctor and only goes when I'm like sick, which is, of course, the wrong thing to the do. Worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, I know. My, and I would give anybody else the advice not to do what I do. However, I did go last week and um, to my primary, and it was interesting to me how you know, sort of just the intake has all changed in, in the in the interests of, you know, prevention. Um, you walk in, you have an appointment, obviously, but there's it's also a very clean environment. There's masks. They take your temperature. They screen you. They ask you a number of screening questions, of course, in relative to possible interactions with people who have been sick or you yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, the hand sanitizer, like, all over the place. I think I've scrubbed my fingerprints off at this point. <laughs> and... Um, you know, but it felt it felt safe. It felt, you know, and, it, and not just a feeling. It was, in fact, a very clean and structured process, which I appreciated. Yeah, definitely. And I think telehealth has been huge because um, we've been able to launch a major telehealth program so that patients can actually be seen and have their their needs addressed um, without even setting foot in an office. So there are sort of multiple layers. Um, based on what people's needs are and so they just need to call and let us know what they need and then our folks would be able to step in and and really help them 
Yeah, I think that's true. So along those lines, Betsy, I would say, you know, from your perspective, do you have any advice on, uh, you know, for the public on how people can interact with the healthcare system, or uh, you know, be supportive at this time of of you know your institution? I mean, what advice could you give somebody who's listening in and maybe doesn't know? Well, I think one of the coolest things that we've done since COVID hit is an unprecedented move. We actually collaborated with St. Joe's, Elliott, and CMC, um, which, you know, they are basically our competitors. But we knew, we knew with this pandemic here that we absolutely needed each other and have relied on each other to make sure that we all had enough of the personal protective equipment that's needed to keep people safe, um, that we've been talking about you know, what bed capacity is, and as patients need to be transferred, you know, how can we all really work together? And so the philanthropy arms of each of the institutions also put together a website, um, frontlinesnh.org, to tell the story of what life looks like on the front lines. I think when everyone's staying home sure. and, and really didn't have that inside scoop, um, I think has just been really powerful mm-hmm. to understand the, the level of care and compassion and protection that are happening for patients that are in the hospital. And I think in both of our communities, both Manchester and Nashua, that you referred to four institutions for both communities total, um, you know, that collaboration, none of us is so big that like those, that collaboration and partnership is really important to be effective. It really is. It's critical. And the fact that we had overflow space available, should we need it, um, I think brings a lot of people comfort. And the fact that people have been staying home, I think has really helped with our goal of flattening the curve. Um, so really... Sort of grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I should say, you know, I always try and like break in and welcome people by Facebook. So I see my friend who you know also, Doreen Manetta, has w- is watching oh. us on Facebook. So hi, Doreen. Hey, hi, Doreen. hello. Wave at the camera. Um, also, Lori Cordova. I don't know if you know Lori. Good friend of ours in the family for many, many years. Hi, Lori. Hope you and your family are great. Say hi to Nate for me. Um, and Chris Motika, who was the, uh, I believe, vice principal or principal at National North when my daughter was there. And I see his wife, actually, Nicole Motika, every week in my BNI group. So hi, everybody. Oh. Glad to see you here on the show. Um, so last but not least, I guess, you know, we only have a minute or so left. What's next? What's next? That's the big question, right? Well, what I'm trying to do now, because we know that everything's really shifted, is to really take a look at what are some of those barriers to health that people are struggling with now. One of the things we learned a year ago is that people were skipping really critical um, medical procedures because there was no one to take care of their pets. And by partnering with the Humane Society for Greater Nashua, they expanded their short-term program to help with pets. We had some teens that were struggling with skin conditions and working with PAL. They're adding a laundry program. Um, So the community has been absolutely amazing to help support the overall health um, of the community. And so I'm really trying to learn about barriers and what more might we be able to be doing together. I think um, that's great. So lis- listening to the community and their needs to, to figure out where to go next. Absolutely. So people can definitely get in touch with me if they have ideas. I have a short survey. How do they get in hold of you, Betsy? Uh, the best way is betsy.hood, H-O-U-D-E, at snhhs.org. Okay, good. And what I always tell people, so if you forget Betsy or you're driving down the road, and you know, I don't want you to crash um, while you're driving down the road, so don't pull over, you know, to on the side of the highway and do this. You know, call Mike at United Way, and I'll tell you how to get a hold of Betsy. Like, it's it's not that hard, right? Give me a, give me your Betsy a shout, Betsy.hood at Southern New Hampshire, snhh.org. S-N-H-H-S. H-H-S.org. Or, or call Mike at United Way. I'm the guy. There's only one guy at United Way, so it's pretty easy to figure out who you're talking to. Betsy, thank you so much for coming on. We're out of time. Oh, thanks for being here. 
Awesome. I appreciate that. So you've listened to the United Way Community Connections show this morning. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We'll be back next week at 9 a.m. Same time um, with our friends from Lamprey Healthcare and Hearts Peer Support Services. Next up is Suzanne Kaperniak and the Village Network. Until next week, please remember to be kind to one another because great things really do happen when we live united.